Hello, hello, and welcome to episode number eight of the race isn't given. I apologize that I have waited till the end of the week to come before you all. But the truth of the matter is I have been tossing to and fro, vacillating in my mind where I was going to come from and what I was going to speak about. I've been studying a lot of different things and primarily the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how in this nation, in this time, that we are so easily persuaded by so many different doctrines, by being spiritual, but not having a relationship, thus ultimately affecting our grasp and understanding of faith. I listened to a young lady just the other day. And she said, it's the amazing thing that we stand and we say we are bold as Christians. But when we come and seek our father, we come more as beggars, as vagabonds, and not as royalty. So we produce prayers that may not reach to the heavens. Because Jesus tells us that if we pray, believing that we have already received it and it aligns to his will, then it is already accomplished. So just for a few moments, I'm going to dibble and dabble in a couple of different texts. But I want to talk about the subject. Sometimes you won't know until you don't know. Again, sometimes you won't know until you don't know. And I know that there are many of us trying to figure out and get an understanding of what that means. So I'm going to say it one more time before I describe it. Sometimes you won't know until you do not know. I believe in this society that we are too knowledgeable, that we believe that our minds can produce and get us in and out of anything. And because we are so dependent on our own thinking, we become less and less progressive spiritually. Why do we need to lean on God when we lean on our own understanding? Why should we trust in him? when we feel we have the capability of accomplishing and doing it ourselves. So the first scripture that I'm going to speak on, it is Luke chapter 15. Again, Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to start at verse 11. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11, and it reads, and he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now, many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he had squandered his property and reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. 
and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. He went to him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So as we dissect this and we look at it from a deeper perspective, what did the son know? The son knew that he had an inheritance. He knew at some point there was a stockpile that had been accumulated from his father that when he began to be mature and his capacity began to grow and expand and he would be able to get an understanding of how to keep what was given to him, the father was holding on to it. But what did the son know? He knew he had an inheritance. But what did he have to learn? He didn't have the capacity to receive it. So sometimes we don't know or we can't know until we don't know. He had to go through circumstance after circumstance. He had to experience a famine. He had to be lower to be not only feeding the pigs, but getting less than what the pigs were getting before he realized and he came to himself. And made the statement, it would be better for me to go back to my father. My father's servants have it better off than what I have it now because of my lack of knowledge. All he saw was the inheritance that was waiting for him. He did not understand and see the problem that he would face because he was not taught how to manage the money. He was not taught how to manage if it was livestock, how to keep it. He was not taught. He had an understanding like there was an old commercial. It's my money and I want it now. And a lot of times in life, that's where God has us. It's not the fact that he's telling you no. It's not the fact that he is denying you anything. He is holding it because he knows that if he gives you that blessing, if he gives you that anointing, if he gives you that promise at this particular stage in your life, you're going to squander it. 
You're going to throw it away. You're going to beat it down to almost of non-existence because your capacity has not been increased to be able to receive it and appreciate it. There's an old saying, good things come to those who wait. A lot of times we want things to happen so quickly. We think we're so smart. We think we figured it all out. Lord, you're being mean to me. God, you're denying me. No, he's keeping you so that when he gives you the blessing, it won't be squandered. It won't be thrown away. But he will be glorified because it will grow and blossom. And it will become something because he has blessed it. He says, heaven and earth shall fall away but my word shall never come back void. So he's not going to jeopardize his word. He's not going to jeopardize his will to give you something before you have the capacity to receive it. A lot of times the pain and the struggle that we go through is God strategically and deliberately removing those impurities from our lives that are going to keep us from fully fulfilling the will that he has for our life. Remember, it says heaven and earth shall fall away. But his word, his word, that's why you got to be careful when you begin to prophesy and do all these things because you're putting his word. This is not yours. You're putting his word. You're trialing his word by prophesying with your emotions. You're saying God said it but it's prophesying out of your own heart. So now you're saying that God is a liar because you're prophesying out of your own feelings. So he has to make sure that everything is tried and tested. Everything is measured accordingly. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Everything has to be maintained and governed strategically because he said his word shall never come back void. That's why we have to be careful. When we begin to say, we're saying what God says. When we begin to say, thus saith the Lord, you better know for sure that the Holy Spirit has intrigued you to speak. Because in most circumstances, most concerns, it is better to say nothing. As a good friend of mine always says, and I steal this quote, My silence is my rebuke. Sometimes it doesn't even warrant an explanation. Walk in silence. As some Jamaicans say, tread softly, tread softly. Order your steps in the word. And I'm not going to be before you long, but I am going to go over to my next text. And for those of you who don't know, This text is considered the hall of faith. This is considered the hall of faith. And I do apologize, it is quite long, but I would rather read the word versus just speak out of my own feeling. Because the word of God, once you allow the Holy Spirit to ignite it in you, it is living, it is breathing, it is life changing. If you want to transform your life, ask the Holy Spirit to come in and sup with you as you study this word. 
God desires for such a relationship. And the dialogue mostly begins in the very gospel, in the word of the Lord is where he speaks the most. So remember I said the title. This is going to talk about that faith. Sometimes you need to not know so that you can know. Sometimes you need to not know so that you can know. Now we understand from Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, we all know the scripture. We should. It's very known and common. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Again, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which were seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not uh, seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. He looked for a city which had foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and the multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable or innumerable, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country and truly if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac and that had 
and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. According to the God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also we received him in a figure. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both his sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsake uh, Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured and seeing him who is invisible. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest that he had destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And finally, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. I could keep reading. I can keep going. But here is the common denominator. Faith. Faith. Not faith in the capacity of knowing what is going to happen. Abraham, we know the scripture. God told Abraham, leave thy country. Get away from thy kindred into a place that I will show you. He had no clue of where he was going or where he would end up. But by faith, he trusted and believed God so much, so strongly, so passionately that he got rid of everything, left everybody and just went waiting for a direction of God. We know, as it says here, that Moses, I'm sorry, Noah, it had never rained on earth. If we understand our history biblically, we know that the land was actually watered by the dew. There was in the in the cool of the day, there was a mist that would come and moisturize the plant, uh, the plants and the vegetation. It never rained. It was just a soothing, calm, cool mist that would bring bring forth moisture. But Noah, refusing to doubt God, even though it had never rained. And it took him over 100 years, I believe it was 120, if I'm not mistaken, to build this ark and understand the scrutiny, the critique, the laughing that he had to endure. This crazy man, considered a drunkard, heard the word of the Lord tell him that it's going to rain, build an ark. And he did it line upon line. God gave him the measurements, the wood, the materials, everything he was told to use to create this art. And he listened and he obeyed and everybody I'm sure mocked him until the water happened. And I believe in this society, in this world now, we have gotten so far away from trusting and believing fully in God. 
having the faith to look foolish, having the faith to look crazy, having the faith to be laughed at, believing the very word of the Lord. We have people creating religions. We're talking about seekers and all of this other stuff and manifestations and all of these things and rocks and crystals and amulets and moons and stars and all of this thing that has nothing to do with the Lord God Almighty, nothing to do with glorifying the body of Christ, nothing to do with ensuring and solidifying the fact that we will be before our Father when the time comes. And we wonder why we can't see what we cannot see. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago when it came down to Moses. When it came down to Moses, he had to be removed from Egypt. He had to be placed in the wilderness. He had to go through certain circumstances. He had to be purified and cleansed of the Egyptian mindset, the Egyptian lifestyle, before he could encounter the Lord. It wasn't until he was in a broken place. He was in a lonely place. Even when we think about the prophet as he's running from Jezebel, it is when he went into the wilderness and he lay back and he cried out to God, I should die. And the Lord sent ravens and birds to bring him food and give him drink. And the Lord spoke to him. There are going to be times in our lives where we think it's the worst time ever. Like the circumstances are so horrible. But I'm here to tell you as a witness in those times where it seems like the world and everything is turning upside down and everyone is turning against you and what you thought you saw is not looking like what you heard, still trust and believe in the Lord that God, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter what's happening, the last word that the Lord gave you, stand bold in that. And as the Bible says, be still and know that he is God. Because who is it? that can change and rectify? Who is it that can purge and renew? Who is it that can give new life? Who is it that can raise the dead, give sight to the blind, heal the sick? Who is it? He said, we are able to do exceedingly. He is able, I'm sorry, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. So if there's a book in you, start to write that. If there's a play in you, start scrafting that out. Whatever it is that God is whispering, whatever it is when you read that devotional, and I'm telling you, resist those thoughts, those thoughts that are going to try to steal the very blessing that God has for you because it doesn't look or sound like what we want in our natural. As I was talking to my mother today, one thing about David, he said he was a man after God's own heart. And we have to pray believing, as Jesus said, that it is already done. If we believe and pray by faith, believing that it is done and it aligns to his will. I know a lot of us always say, God is going to give me the desires of my heart. That is a true statement. If your heart and your desires are aligned with the will of God, if your desires are more corrupted by fleshly thoughts to make you feel better, to give you some type of leisure, 
Yes, he wants you to feel glorious. He wants you to feel good. But if all it is is a fleshly thing, then it's not aligning to the will of God. And how do you test that? I ask one question. Even if it's of the flesh, how does it glorify God? How does pleasing your flesh glorify and magnify Jesus Christ himself? How is it you being, you know, prominently or wealthy? How will that glorify the Lord? If it does not glorify him, if it does not bring attention to him and it only makes you feel good, it only increases your lustly desires. It only increases your pocketbook, but you're not willing to share it with the less fortunate. And you're just stockpiling. One of the things that got Cain in trouble. What is your heart saying when you receive all that? Why do you think that there's such a pause in you receiving the blessing that 15, 20, 5, 2, 3, 4, 7 days ago that God promised you and now you're in the holding pattern? Yes, the Bible says that he will give you the desires of your heart. But that desire will come when your heart aligns with his will. When all it is, not my will, but thy will be done. Why was Jesus so magnificent? Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the Lord to remove this bitter cup from me. But it was his next statement. Something about the nevertheless. So when you are in certain situations and you're wondering, nevertheless. When you feel like it's not going to happen, nevertheless. When you feel like it has passed me by, nevertheless, there is an old saying that we used to say, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Don't be defined by your circumstances. Don't get beat up by the trial and tribulation. We know the Bible says, for we glory in tribulation, for tribulation uh, worketh patience, patience, experience, and experience hope. We have to glory in every single process, every single step. There are so many things that God is healing, keeping, and delivering us from. And the shame of the matter is there are many of us that run right back to the same circumstance, the same situation, the same issue, the same thing that we prayed years ago to God deliver me from. And yet we run right back and we are captive once again by that same thing that God had already delivered you from. You are no better than the children of Israel that said we are better off going back to Egypt because you are relentless in your refusal to trust the will of God for your life. But I stand here and I tell you, be daring, be bold, grow a nevertheless into your arsenal. So when it feels like you want to give up, nevertheless, when you feel like you want to throw in the towel, nevertheless, when the devil is weighing you down and your own thoughts are tricking you, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And I guarantee you that is going to change the whole trajectory in your thought process. You're going to be able to get through. You're going to be able to make it because you're not leaning on your understanding. But in all your ways, you're acknowledging him. And what did he say? He will direct your path. So I want to challenge each and every one of you today. Don't worry about what it looks like. When the children of Israel made it up to the Red Sea, it looked like it was over. It looked like it was done for them. 
There's no way that we can run anymore. The Pharaoh is going to get us. But by faith, Moses took his rod, placed it in the Red Sea, and God parted it. So don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at the unknown. If you knew the answer, then it would not require faith. If you knew what the outcome was going to be, there would be no need to trust God. There would be no need for him to show his hand strong. There would be no need for him to do the remarkable in your life. Trust in the Lord. Believe him. Honor him. Glorify his holy name. Be still and know that he is God. I pray that this blesses you. I pray that this keeps you. I love you. Guys, have a great day.